Hello and welcome to Property Matters, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. You can find this weekly property show every Sunday on propertymatterstv.co.uk or by searching Property Matters TV on YouTube or Facebook. Whenever or wherever you're enjoying the show, please get involved by adding your comments in the comments section below. And if you'd like to email us, we have an address. It's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. Property Matters is also available as a podcast uh, from our website, and it's also available from the main uh, pr- uh, podcast download programs that are available online. And it's available every Monday at 10 a.m. And also, let's find out from Joe what the big stories of the week are. So, Joe, welcome. We've been going nearly a year now, Property Matters, um, and uh, uh, in fact, I, I should say it's probably nearly two years, sorry, um, but about 100 episodes have been done. Um, lots of good feedback from a lot of people, but I would love if you could at some point um, go onto our website, click and uh, give us your views, because nowadays it's all about reviews and views. And uh, and perhaps you could like the things that we do or, or tell us the things that perhaps we don't do, but uh, it will be very helpful, very encouraging if I can uh, request that small request from all of our viewers each week. Yes, it's worth pointing out that we're coming up to our 100th episode in a few weeks' time. Uh, We started in October of uh, 2020, and we are coming up to that uh, 100th episode, which will happen in September, in early September. We'll do a special for that one, of course. Um, In the meantime, though, if you do go to our website, please, and go to um, propertymatterstv.co.uk, you can find there a Google review section, and you can leave your review there. So let's take a look at our first story, Joe. Um, There's a growing disparity between population growth and the number of homes being built in some regions of the UK, which goes some way to explaining why house and rent prices continue to rise. This is new research done by Sky News and they looked at basically areas where the population grew faster than the house building uh, and also the reverse way where there was more houses and uh, less uh, people in that area and they noticed something really important and that is that the prices where supply was being constrained because there was big population growth in places like Barking and Dagenham the third highest population growth put a significant pressure on the house pricing and also, of course, the rental pricing in that area. And it's akin to some of the major cities that are having the same problems like Manchester and Birmingham. But interestingly, in London, Barking and Dagenham are some of the worst places because there just hasn't been enough homes built, of which is causing a bit of a problem for the old levelling up committee, I think, Joe. There's always, uh, uh, as I said earlier on, um, a comparison between the uh, the political scenes and, and the building scenes and the levelling up committee, of, of which really probably doesn't exist at this moment in time because of the uncertainty of where and how we're going to be going forward with our, our um, government. But uh, nevertheless, I think the, the, the point here really is that um, it always boils down to the, the basics of supply and demand. And London has a huge demand. And it's interesting to see that uh, there's a sort of a, a, a baby boomer situation here, where um, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, new um, bodies are being added in the south. Maybe they've got less work to do, or something like that. But uh, they're all been busy um, doing other things through, during the, the pandemic. And and of course, you know, more and more um, population is growing in the uh, in the south, perhaps than than in the uh, remote north sometimes. Um, and it really still sort of covers that area of, um, of as you say, disparity in prices and, and that demand because people want to 
you know, uh, for value for money, you, you're getting a great deal um, going sort of north of Watford, as one would say, um, than, than you are perhaps getting in sort of south of Watford uh, because of the concentration of the of the cities and the towns and people places like Barking and Dagnam are, you know, the outer skirts of London, which are remotely cheaper to buy than in London. But of course, they can't build as much because they are, you know, scarce for space or they're not building them quick enough, whereas they are building them quick enough in the north, but obviously the demand isn't as high, and therefore there's more available. There's a, there's a, there's a message in that, isn't there, really? And, and whilst during the pandemic, we all ran for the race for space and, and tried to get out there, that kind of race for space has almost come to a halt um, because some sort of normality has kicked in and people are now sort of back to well, I'd rather stay closer to work, which is going to be in the south, or or there's a better a growth of my property value, so that's going to be in the south, or or, or all the other thing. Well, the bright lights of London are still the attraction that brings them down to to London, but perhaps they're not thinking about the fact that they are getting more for their money um, and better, cleaner air, as so to speak, for those that don't need to be working in offices or, or being in the city and have the choice of um, uh, a hybrid working perhaps you know where they can have some days in the office and some days still to work from home which is is the, is the new you know norm is it the hybrid working environment because people have used that so i think um i think that that is something that they you know you've got to take on board and then you know use that as your own leveling up not wait for somebody else to tell you what is a leveling up you know use your own leveling up and say well actually i get better belly for money and I can travel and I've got greater internet and all the other bits that you can in the cities, you know, um, further further north. It's interesting that uh, in the population grew faster or at the same pace as the number of homes in 150 out of 309 local authorities. So basically the biggest shortage was were found in London. So the the number of properties, about, just about half of the local authorities, the population grew f faster than the, uh, the or, or alongside the number of homes being built. As a result of that, it can be quite significant. So for example, in, um, as we mentioned, in uh, Waltham Forest, Barking, Dagenham, Hackney and Lewisham, uh, where the supply has failed to keep up, the prices have doubled in those areas. So these, this is not just a small amount. This is quite a, a significant situation for people to be in. It almost makes you wonder whether the boroughs actually think, well, actually, if our prices rise, then actually that makes us a bit more of a cooler borough because it's expensive. You kind of worried, wonder whether they've actually done this deliberately in some cases. Yeah, I suppose there's a, a marketing method there of some sort to say that, um, you know, it makes us more attractive. Um, on the other hand, some of those boroughs that we've talked about um, are boroughs that, in all honesty, I know house prices may have doubled, but the rest of it is not as attractive. They're not um, the most attractive places that people want to be living in. And maybe if the boroughs made a concerted effort in actually, um, you know, making some effort to tidy up their, their, their towns, their boroughs, combined with the increase in value, there might just be, you know, a, a good marketing result there. But I think the increases by default, um, by default that they don't have the money to, to build um, much or they don't have the demand from developers for the return on their investment, as so to speak, um, though the values are going up. So 
And one of the reasons that the values are, are going up, Paul, is that um, building materials and, and labour has become quite an issue. Um, when I speak to developers, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, uh, calculates itself out. So whilst the, the value in the price is going up, they're not actually getting the better margin because the value of the goods to buy and to do them up is also gone up um, probably quite quite significantly. And that combined with all the other bits that are doing uh, their rounds of going up, combined with these current strikes and all sorts of other issues that goes, it just makes them sort of think, well, actually, I'll just hold off. And so therefore, they're probably not building as much as they would like to. Um, and the other problem that a lot of these boroughs have, and I know this, um, because recently one of my clients had a property in Hackney um, and it's just taken them an obscene amount of time to get a simple indication from the borough um, in the red tape about a simple, you know, yes, because half of them have lost their staff and some of them have got locums in and some are working from home and nobody's prepared to make a decision. So a planning decision that might take an ordinary eight to 10 weeks is actually taking probably seven, six to seven months. Um, and so people are just sort of almost shrugging their shoulders and saying, oh, well, I'll just leave that in the system. And actually in that time, that six to seven months, I can go and build somewhere else or buy something somewhere else where it's already got planning or I don't need to do half the work or, or, the, or the council is actually more proactive in trying to get the planning through. So I think there's a whole bunch of underlying issues here that haven't come forward. And by default, because of the supply and demand factor, the values have gone up, as you say, you know, double in some cases. Yeah, the house builders do have issues, of course. And in London, there's going to be more red tape and planning issues because it's so overcrowded. So it's going to take longer. And it's not often a case of just going in and plugging a hole in supply because there's also uncertainty, for example, over the government's support initiatives, things like help to buy. So uh, it's not it's not always as simple as and straightforward as just getting the builders to come in and do some work in the area. If you look outside of London, um, typically uh, where population in rural areas has actually grown f um, not as fast as the amount of uh, properties. So in Richmondshire, in the north of England, uh, population fell by 5% between 2011 and 2021, while the number of residential properties increased by 6.8%. And uh, in nearby Hamilton, um, meanwhile, the number of homes increased by 9.5%, whereas the population grew by 1.8%. Now, the levelling up housing and communities departments say that, that comparing population growth with new houses doesn't really take into account all those people who live together. So they say a more meaningful analysis to, is to compare the number of households between 2011 and 21, where there were 1.9 million additional homes supplied in the country, but only 1.37 million new um, families in the area. So they're saying they're still committed to their 300,000 new homes each year, which is interesting because we thought Gove had said that he was getting rid of that target. Um, and just before the pandemic, they were getting as close as they'd ever been, having built 242,000 new homes. So um, interesting that uh, levelling up seemed to think that it's, a, it's a, a, a not a very useful comparison, but there's no doubt about it. What they found is that where the building isn't taking place, the prices are rising. Yes, of course, uh, and uh, when the buildings are taking place and, and people can get the supply that is coming through, 
uh, of course it becomes popular and, and people want to to move and that's where the prices will increase the prices that have increased in places like hackney and so forth are purely by default in my opinion they're by the fact that they can't get the back end you know the the red tape sorted out so they can't build them quick enough and therefore there is the backlog of people waiting having the demand for um, new houses whereas in the other areas the demand is being uh, more fulfilled um, so therefore they're just thinking well okay we'll we'll move over there but it's also about value pool i mean you know there's more, there's more and more valuable um, property being built in other parts of the country what always gets me is that the building costs are probably no different uh, across the country you know it's not as if it makes it you know exceptionally cheaper um, elsewhere to buy materials perhaps in the north as opposed to the south that's it's, it's pretty much the same but the values themselves are not increasing as much on the basis that it is um, the demand part of it is, is, is not strong so yeah I think I think um, you know uh, there, there is definitely a, a cause of concern but not a major concern. I think it, it will come right. It's just that we're having a little bit of a, uh, a hump, as they say, to just to get over uh, some of the some of the issues that are current. More um, news that's not particularly encouraging for landlords this week, Joe. Our second story about buy-to-let rates, which have doubled. Um, uh, for landlords, making it far less attractive, of course, to invest in property. This is research from Property Master. Uh, the broker said that the typical cost of a 60% loan-to-value two-year fix has risen from 1.69% to 3.43 in the past eight months. This means you would have to pay £2,784 more per year in mortgage interest compared to if you bought in January. And for many of the smaller players in the market, some of those that are coming to it later in life particularly, I suspect, uh, are finding unaffordable rises in the mortgage costs will undoubtedly lead them to conclude that buy-to-let no longer works for them. This is obviously the fact that they're trying to take some kind of income, I guess, out of having uh, buy-to-let properties. And if you're doing that on a mortgage, that's really shrinking your opportunity to make some money, Joe. Yes, I think that that is quite true um, for those newcomers into the marketplace that are stepping into the world buy to let. Uh, it's unfortunate at this precise moment in time that the rates are, are making it difficult for them to make ends meet in terms of, you know, maybe a return on their actual investment on a month to month basis or an annual basis. Um, but I would still go to the point that um, you know, it may not happen immediately. And yes, it's going to be uh, maybe a few years before we get ourselves sorted out. But if you look at the earlier story by covering the demand and the fact that in some areas, some boroughs, prices have doubled in that period, then there is some merit in continuing to do the buy-to-let situation. And that is that you'll get a capital return in the long term. So, you know, you, you may not get a month-to-month -month income return, um, and so therefore you'll have to keep your ordinary job going to make sure that you put food on the table but it doesn't necessarily should or shouldn't necessarily discourage you from <clears throat> continue to stay in the buy to let as another form of um, investment in the future where you will see not only the capital return i.e. the prices going up but potentially um, 
it level up to a point where the interest rate you know, possibly would come back down again. Um, and equally, um, the demand for rental property could be high enough that um, people pay higher rent. So you, you, there will be a compensation along the way. Um, I'm still going to be an advocate to say that it's still one of the best form of investments you're going to do. And I, I think, you know, if it does discourage you short term, it should encourage you long term. Yeah, so uh, a landlord with a typical 160,000 buy-to-let mortgage now has a monthly bill of 494, which is £232 per month more than if you purchase at the start of the year. And the five-year fixes that so many people um, crave were the rates have surged from 1.94% at the beginning of the year to 3.5% in just eight months. So over a full five-year period, this means you pay 12480 more than if you bought the property with a mortgage in December, which is, which is quite striking. But nonetheless, we're hearing also on the other side of the story that rents are rising. So presumably, landlords are simply putting some of that on the rent. Well, yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, everything's going to roll downhill and, and it's going to be down to the point where you're going to have the tenants going to have to pay more. But the tenants are, are suffering not just the, the landlord rent having to go up because the landlord has got to make his margin, his money, because he's got a loan on the property. But there's this, you know, the, our new word, current word is cocktail. And the cocktail is the mixture of all these uh, new costs that have been added on top, the, you know, your utilities, which are actually um, quite surprisingly high. And, and yet we focus on maybe the mortgage side, but what we have to also realise is that the gas, the electric, the rates and all that other stuff has also gone you know, sky high and, and, and quite, quite a lot. Um, I have to say from a personal point of view, it's something that probably never really took notice of because it's kind of paid by direct debit and kind of goes out. But all of a sudden when you find that that direct debit has gone out for a couple of hundred pounds more than you anticipated, you stop and think. And then so that cocktail of, of all these things that are happening is creating a mix and making it a little bit more expensive. But I will still say in the 40 plus years of being in the business, we've gone into neutral and drive and very rarely we've gone into reverse. Um, and, you know, so we may go into neutral for a while until things settle down, but ultimately it will go into drive and you will see the difference. And OK, it's £14,000 a year difference. But then if you your property has gone up by, you know, £30,000, then you, you're still £15,000 or thereabouts better off. Even though you may not have had that ready income per month come in, you may have that in the return in the long term. But of course, you've got to allow for taxation uh, in that. Um, and so you may come a little bit above your 14,000 or you may come to a break even point. If we're to believe what we read, which is that lots of landlords are leaving the industry and uh, moving on to something else, makes you wonder what they're moving on to. Do you think perhaps they might be looking at commercial property, maybe? Yeah, but you know, again, commercial is quite challenging in its own ways because the problem that has happened with the pandemic, so many things have gone online. So, you know, just walk down your own high streets and, and, and have a look at the kind of retails, the shops and the things that are actually now available and the things that you as an individual do. And the majority of us are as at much fault as anybody else is, and that is that we you know, have become a lazy nation to be able to buy online, have it delivered to your home, you know, in every possible way. 
but then there are things like you know having your hair cut you just still go so there's a, a surge of barbers you know uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a marketplace and there's a surge of nail shops for ladies and there's a surge of you know all these things that you can't actually buy or do online are the only businesses that seem to so the question is if you look at the banks i mean at one time i you know people would come to me and say you know if you get a bank investment because it's a short thing you know i can get five or six percent return on my investment i'd rather have a bank well banks are left right and center shutting shop and going online they don't want to have staff available to be able to talk to anybody you try and speak to somebody nowadays and it's an impossible task so what is a commercial investment what is what is good there is also challengeable um in that sense and then you might find that you have a vacant shop for six months a year um and you've got to pay the rates on it because it's lying empty and it's commercial so do think very carefully about where and how you're going to sort of deviate to if you think that's the answer and your view is to stick at it really if you're a, a landlord at the moment it's worthwhile keeping on with the investment not least because you've got the capital appreciation on the on the on the asset no question about it in my mind. I think that we've, we've all been here before and, you know, sit, sit, sit tight and it, it will come good um, forever the optimist. But I think history has shown us that, you know, every time we were told to jump ship because this is going and that's going, we actually swim ashore and jump into another ship, which is a similar sort of thing. Just wish that we'd not done it the last time. So I think, you know, just stay, stay steadfast. You just got to cut your cloth accordingly. And, and ride the storm, uh, but I think it will come good. Final story this week, Joe. Um, UK students should snub the private rented sector and instead look at rent in purpose built. Look at renting in purpose built student accommodation, known as PBSA. It's according to new analysis from Knight Frank. Students in the UK are currently paying as much as sixteen and a half thousand pounds a year in living costs, while the amount is set to rise in the coming months thanks to the sharp rise in uh, rents, bills, and utilities, as we all know. However, they suggest that it's better value to be found in a accommodation specifically built for university students. Um, further energy cost inflation over the coming months will likely widen these differences. Operators of PBSAs will absorb much of the uplift and not pass it on to the customers, a luxury that won't be afforded to students who are renting in private rental markets. So this is uh, more bad news for the uh, private landlord who's uh, focused around student lets in university towns. Suggestion is that of the 15 towns and cities analysed, Joe, London offered the greatest difference in price. In the capital, students living in PBSA were 33% less um, than a wider rental market once the bills were including, offering a saving of £108 per week or 5500 over a 51-week tenancy. So long and short of it is that once the bills are included, it's actually £108 a week cheaper to live in a PBSA than um, to rent from a local landlord. Yes, I think, and, and for students, £108 a week is a lot of money when you're, when you're up there. And, uh, and that, that's, that's, you know, that's a lot of beer money, as we would say it, to, and, or, or uh, you know, a lot of food money that is going to be used. So it is important. This PBS situation is arising in a lot of places, and there are two reasons for that. One is that the, the um, accommodation that students get um, actually provide some amazing opportunities in-house. So they provide these sort of gyms and snugs and coffee shop areas and breakout areas and all sorts of that stuff that they, and, and, and they're kind of more trendy, cleaner, modern, 
And of course, with the inclusive of bills, it just means that they don't have the, the headache and the share and the fallout. And there is the thing about fallouts here. And then you, if you're doing a shared accommodation as students from a private landlord, who's then got to, you, you then got to put the, the bills and then sort of divvy up between three or four people that shared that accommodation. There's always going to be one that says you had the heating on for longer than I did, or you know you took more showers than I did, and all that kind of stuff. And so, from that point of view, the PBS is is a great news. But you know, there's a lesson to be learnt, isn't there, for for a private individual landlords, that if if the PBS are competing with this uh, sort of inclusive deal, then they also need to sort of sharpen their pencil and up their game by saying that, you know, we too can do certain things that are attractive and better. And yes, they might up the rent a little bit, but maybe make the um, utilities inclusive so that there isn't any pain in that um, for, for individuals and, and therefore they won't lose their customers because there is not everybody that wants to be in a huge hotel type of hostel type of environment all under the one roof and all sort of going, you know, some people just want their own privacy, some people are not sociable, some people are not very good at, uh, at meeting, so they would want to have their own accommodation or, or a shared accommodation of a house. Um, and so I think there's a lesson to be learned by private landlords from PBS, and, and that is that if they can make it work, then you should try and make it work and make it more comfortable not to lose your tenants, potentially. It certainly is a uh, real threat to traditional student landlords, isn't it? I mean, Liverpool, Sheffield, Glasgow, Leicester all offered 25, 15 and 14% savings compared to the local rental market. Nottingham, Bristol, 10%. Edinburgh, Exeter, Glasgow, 8%. And in Newcastle, they're paying 5% less. That's about the worst um, of the of, of, of the uh, or the smallest of the savings should I say I mean it certainly does look like the writings on the wall for a lot of landlords that were focused around students and many have made many many thousands of pounds out of that market oh look it's a guaranteed market you know year in year out they're gonna be uh, renting their accommodation but uh, when there's always there's always a, dis a disruptor uh, you know a disturber that comes along in any marketplace and then shapes things up a little bit and you know, you can either sort of sit there and moan about it or you can deal with it. And I think that, um, you know, as you rightly say, they've made lots of money over the period. And maybe it's time to reinvest some of that back into the property that has given them that, whether it's tidying it up, making it attractive, or whether it's providing an inclusive package, or whether it's providing, you know, some sort of other area, which they have, especially if they are houses and they've got gardens. They can put in small gyms or, or workout areas in the bottom of the garden, which is perfectly uh, possible under permitted development rights. Of course, you've got to check check your planning laws in your own area, given given your own properties. But fundamentally, nothing's impossible. And if you provide those little extras, then you may not lose those students to those um, larger uh, hotel type of blocks. So, you know, you've got to up your own game. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of other factors here. Of course, most of these new PBSAs are relatively newly built, so they've got really good insulation and good uh, um, um, uh, eco-credentials, shall we put it like that. Whereas, of course, a lot of the older rental stock are probably struggling to even get a level C 
on the EPC rating. So with bills coming up to what rumoured to be 4,200 and something uh, per household in January, then the students are going to make a massive saving because it's all included in what they're, uh, what they're, what they're paying. And furthermore, to try and get a real gr grab on the market, the PBSAs are going to swallow some of that cost on behalf of the students. Undoubtedly, I think that I think this is a game changer for private landlords in in the university towns and in the higher education towns, and this is a wake up call coming to them that PBS are there. They're hot on the trails. They're being built left, right, and centre. Certainly, in all of the northern university towns, I've known of somebody or someone that is looking to build student accommodation at this kind of level. So yes, new, modern you know, eco-friendly, warmer, uh, extra facility, all of those things are ticking the boxes. Um, we've, you know, we're coming into the 21st century where other, other parts of the world have been way ahead in, in that situation. Um, and so for, for such a long time, um, private landlords have had it fairly good. Um, but now with, you know, targets of uh, EPC minimum C rating, you know, they've got to spend money on their properties and they've got to spend money and do good with them. Um, and of course, if they do good, they will continue to rent them. If they don't, PBS is hot on your trails and um, they'll, they'll nick those customers, they'll nick those new students who will go for a cheaper accommodation. Especially during the pandemic, according to this research, 69% of students said that the PBSAs dealt with the whole... Um, social distancing and the whole safety of the COVID uh, pandemic situation very, very professionally, compared to 25% of students whose landlords dealt with the fact that house shares uh, didn't have hardly any uh, rules and regulations in place. The landlord kind of just left them all to their own devices, whereas, of course, there was very strict rules for students in PBSAs. So um, they've been growing in popularity because of things like that, which clearly are important to students. And some uh, PBSAs are reporting that there's already waiting lists already. Yes, as I said, you know, uh, my daughter uh, herself just come out of Loughborough University and her last place was a PBS. And, uh, you know, I dropped her off there and seen the accommodation and, and, and can say firsthand that, you know they do offer um, comparatively nicer, nicer surroundings, and I, I, you know, I fully understand why students will want to go to um, such places. Um, and I also know when we moved her into an ordinary sort of three-bed house share, and you know it, it was okay, but it was just a room really. And um, so, but they had the space. You know, it didn't even have space for bicycles. They had to put the bicycles in either the hallways or, or in their living room and then they get done for marks on the carpets because they've nowhere else to put them. So there wasn't any thought process in, in the landlord. It was just take it or leave it. We are okay, Jack, because, you know, if you don't take it, another set of students would do. But when PBS is coming into these things, there's a choice. And those, those students would start to turn around and say, well, if you can't up your game here, we'll go down the road. So now, you know, that's, that's, that's a key thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a change. And, uh, and I've seen those changes, you know, personally and physically uh, happening up uh, in, in student world. Um, and I think um, it's up to the private landlords to stop their game. Indeed it is. And um, 
Just a quick reminder before we go, because we've run out of time today, Joe, that we would like you to give us your Google reviews. If you go to our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk, there is a little button underneath the video where it says, leave us a Google review. If you'd like to do that for us, we'd be very, very grateful indeed. That's it for this week. Thanks for watching. Thank you, Joe, for all of your wisdom as always. We'll see you again next time. Music